0: welcome to the randy Seltzer real estate podcast where we discuss important topics for buyers sellers and investors in the toronto area real estate market here's your host randy Seltzer.
1: hello everybody it's randy Seltzer here welcome back to my youtube channel welcome back to the podcast today we have a very special guest john kirpin is here today he's a well-known real estate personality in the west end of the gta he has his own company called the Kirpen Group that was established in 1973. And John started out as a real estate agent. And again, he's built this vertically integrated company that does development. Uh, they do property management and they have a specialty niche. Their specialty is getting approvals from the province and from various municipalities for builders to build. And anyways, John, welcome aboard. Nice to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Hi, Randy. How are you today? Good <laughs> to be right. here. I'm all right. Thank you. So anyways, um, we just met. We talked briefly just before we started the recording today. But it's lovely to meet you. And uh, your assistant, uh, Billy, had sent some questions around that we we agreed that we're going to talk about today. We could talk for hours. I know you and I, I definitely think we could talk for hours. But um, I thought, well, first of all, give us a little background about the Perfect Group, just a little bit, bit about what you guys do today. I know you're headquartered in Burlington, Ontario.
0: Right, what we do today, we concentrate on the Western GTHA. Um, it used to be Mississauga, Oakville, Burlington, Hamilton, and not so much Mississauga. Now it becomes Oakville, Burlington, and Hamilton. And we're integrated. We started out as a Greenfield developer, and we still are. That is the core of our business. But uh, throughout the course of time, we've uh, expanded into retail, uh, smaller shopping centers, larger regional centers. Then we moved into office buildings uh, to go next to our regional centers because it was a lovely compliment. And then now we're into the employment lands Where we're building head offices for some Fortune 500 companies, some local companies, Um, so it uh, we've kind of branched off um, throughout things. Then we've also dabbled in uh, mid-rise, high-rise on the residential front, but we always come back to our low-rise greenfield type of development. That's a that's what we uh, are good at. We put it this way, or my staff is more so than I am. I'll tell you, they run uh, the show these days. Uh,
1: I was reading your bio, and it said in there that you guys have, have been involved with building oh, about five thousand plus residential homes in the Western GTA. That's that's incredible. That's an in an incredible amount of houses, big time five thousand. So uh, I no, actually my that's a
0: that's a bit of an error. I think it's fifteen
1: thousand. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay sorry <laughs> that is, no 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 not at all it's actually quite funny that's that's been built and planned uh, things go quickly don't have nope. time for
1: updates man there's been so many changes and uh, i know every time i drive up dundas street uh, through oakville i was just out there yesterday what a change you know you used to drive west on dundas mm-hmm. and you're out in the country there's farms on the north side of the road now are you kidding me i don't even recognize the name and that's oakville which is the last one of the last places to develop i know you guys have played a big part in a lot of those developments uh, in oakville over the past few years yes we certainly have oakville um, is um,
0: been a great community for us to build in and we have been here for 25 years and still going strong believe it or not and those farm fields on the Right-hand side going west were, were farm fields, and we slowly started purchasing little pieces of land back 25, 30 years ago, and some of them were just starting to develop today.
1: Amazing. So it's a long game. This is not a short-term thing. It's a long it definitely game. Sure. Is
0: a, it definitely is a long game, and um, after 40 years of experience, you'd think I'd get it done better and quicker, but... Um, victim circumstances, you just can't do it. It becomes like I used to I say nowadays, it's like a big ship in the night, trying to move a big ship in the night. Nothing happens quickly, but yeah. it does move slowly and gently and you finally get to your destination.
1: Well we're gonna talk about that as one of we're gonna have three topics today and and one of them is exactly that trying to turn that ship around. I hope it's not the Titanic. Uh, when we're talking about the situation in Ontario, in southern Ontario, right now, with the housing shortage. But before we get to that, uh, I wanted to ask you a question: of, of What is smart development? What are smart cities? Is one of the questions that your assistant uh, posed to me. And honestly, this is something I don't know too much about. I know the whole concept of fifteen-minute cities, where People are going to, they're going to live and work and shop and play within 15 minutes, which I think is a great idea. Uh, but what is smart development? What, what exactly is that? Well, it's pretty much what you said.
0: You know, if you can walk, live, work and play within 15 minutes, yeah, um, that's great. That's great for everybody. It's great for the carbon footprint. It's, it's great for spending more time at home. Um, but then it's also using existing infrastructure to do that, where we're not, you know, building in Greenfields, bringing up new pipes, having to build new waterways, having to build new roads. um, So if we can do it inside of existing infrastructure, it becomes smart. You know, we've all seen the larger uh, uh, plazas, regional shopping malls, you know, they haven't changed much in the last forty or fifty years. They have big parking surfaces, and these days you're not seeing as much of that being used, are you? I remember growing up, you used to have to go to the, you know, the regional mall early just to get a parking spot. They used to be filled to the brim. Nowadays, at Christmas time, there may be half used. And we all understand why, you know, it's e-commerce and things have slowly, um, you know, gone online and. You know exponentially over the last 10, 15, you know, plus years. So that land, for instance, is being underutilized, but services are in place, water, infrastructures, um, road patterns, bus stations, you know, um, highways are usually close to. So then, if you're building on top of something that's already has all that. Then it becomes a lot smarter, which you think, right? You're using existing and you're close to everything because people's thinking has changed today. And they don't they it's about convenience. And convenience is different for everybody. And um, you know, for instance, you know, you want to find something out, uh, you go on your phone, <laughs> right? You find it out, you go on your sure. computer, you find it out. Back in the day, you know, we used to have to either Call somebody that was you know, um, more mature and had experience in something or, or mail somebody. Or I hate to show my age, but um, that was the reality. Or look at an encyclopedia. The people today are about instant gratification. That means going to get your coffee quicker, going to get into the highway quicker, getting up to your home quicker, going so shopping. So if we can use existing infrastructure it helps the environment, helps the community, and it's what people are starting to look like, not starting, people yeah. are looking for today, the vast majority, not everybody, but we're dealing with the majority. Yeah,
1: I, I think you're right on, I really do. Uh, I remember uh, years ago, before I got into real estate, I, my wife and I had bought our first house in Mississauga, in South Mississauga, and I was still working for another company, not in real estate, at Young & Shepherd in Toronto. And so we used to, I used to have to drive up, up the 403 every day, across the 401, south of the airport, all the way to Young and Shepherd. It took me 70 minutes one way, every day, 70 minutes there, 70 minutes back. By the time I would get to the office, I would be shaking because that's on a good day without a snowstorm or, you know, and people today, and I don't blame them. I mean, who wants to do that anymore? Uh, so you're so right. And I think the whole idea, again, having lived in Mississauga for these past uh Uh, 30 years, Um, it's changed so much. I can speak from Mississauga perspective that it used to be the classic suburb, you know, where people, they had their house there, they slept there, they had a nice lawn or a garden, but they get in their car and they drive into the city uh, Monday to Friday every day. That's what they did. It's just what they did, husband and wife. And now you're seeing less people. I mean, there's been such a change and COVID changed a lot of stuff where so many people are working from home now, at least part of the time. And people don't want to do a 70-minute commute anymore. I'm convinced of that, too. So there's so much now employment growth in Mississauga and in Oakville and Burlington, too. And Hamilton has a resurgence. What's going on there? That's amazing. So I think it's all good. And it makes sense. You're right. It's smart. Um, I sometimes worry about the existing infrastructure. When I see in the city of Mississauga, they've been turning down some development proposals because they're saying we don't have enough sewers and water mains but so i guess that's something that needs to be addressed before uh, before they can proceed with that but that's okay so that's a smart city that's a smart city or a 15 minute city uh, smart development where you're taking advantage of existing infrastructure cutting down on the carbon footprint cutting down on the commuting and all the other stuff that goes with that it makes a lot of sense really does so you guys are today's on the so- forefront
0: today's society people won't commute 70
1: minutes it's just unheard of i don't blame them i really don't and well, if I can digress a bit, and I tend to run off a lot, I'll, I'll ramble on. So you just tell me to shut up when it's time. But I it's believe your show. <laughs> but, well, I no, but seriously, I do. Um, I believe that that public transit. Uh, I and I'm not a political person. We're not going to get into po- politics here. But I believe the current provincial government is doing a lot of good things in terms of uh, public transit infrastructure, they're actually doing something, whether it's a new subway line in Toronto, the LRT in Mississauga or, or planned one in, in Hamilton, uh, whereas nothing had really been done for about 30 years. Like they just let stuff sit. And now they're finally starting to catch up because in my view, and again, I'm just Joe citizen, uh, that's kind of the backbone. If you wanna get people out of their cars, you gotta have either a subway or some kind of fast rail. That's going to get you to where you want to go. So I hope they can expand on that.
0: Well, I think they've done an amazing job, this government. And I'm not being politically driven. I agree. I deal with this on a day-to-day basis. And what I've seen this government do um, has been 10 times more than the government in the last 15 years combined in bringing transportation options Mm -hmm. to the table. And what I've noticed is this one goes ahead and does it doesn't yes. talk about it and you know that that's a problem with a lot of uh, bureaucracy today which we deal with there is a lot of conversations there's a lot of committees but no action and actions speak louder than words and i have a lot of examples over my decades of experience of non-action by you know municipality regions provinces yeah yep. so it's a uh, refreshing And if they're going to skin their knees and not do it right, at least they're trying and then reposition and learn from your mistake rather than not do anything.
1: I think, and there's a lot of stuff going on with these, what do they call them? MZOs, these ministerial zoning Mm -hmm. things where some of the municipalities are freaking out uh, because uh, Mr. Ford has decreed that, you know, you can have high rise buildings at a transit hub, which makes perfect sense. That's where they should be. And but tell that to the good people in Port Credit. Oh my God, you're going to have World War III. So I can see that there's going to be some pushback on it, but I, I agree with you. I think it's great. I really do.
0: Well, you know what? I've had, we call them NIMBYs, right? Not in my backyard. Yep. And um, I've contended with that every day of my career. But <laughs> it's funny what I've noticed over the course it, of time. Yeah. The people that are our biggest opponents will say, on anything we do, whether it's a greenfield or whether it's a high-rise or a mid-rise or a plaza that we do. um, They they give you resistance, but what I've noticed, the same people come and buy the minute you open (laughs) when you have your sales office going up and they're one of the first people, because guess what? They're the most educated and they understand finally what you're actually doing. And rather than a knee-jerk reaction saying, oh, I'm building this condo tower or I'm building this you know, community or subdivision or whatever, and it's knee-jerk to say, no, not in my backyard. But when they sit down with us and finally listen and understand, maybe it's not for them today, but why should you stop your neighbor who has um, been there for 40 years and now has a little hard time managing steps and whatever, moving into a condo where it's one floor, which is better for them. And so, you know what, when you educate people and understand, and they finally understand what you're actually doing, we're building to what the need, we're developing and building to what the need of the market is. It may not be for an individual. I can't build for one individual when we're building communities. But when we get a chance to explain to people that this is what we're doing and you may need this at some point in time or your neighbor may or your son or your daughter, you know, you may want them a little closer and this may be the most attainable (laughs) uh, type of housing in the neighborhood. Um, You know, so it's about educating, you know, those people that are complaining uh, sometimes and then come around.
1: I can only imagine the journey that you must go on when you get a new project and you have to get zoning approval, you have to get all the servicing in, you have to get, uh, you know, if it's, let's say it's a condo, a high-rise condo, you have to sell, pre-sell those units, then you have to deal with construction issues, you finally get occupancy, then you gotta get it. I mean, that's, I can't even imagine, especially in a residential neighborhood, and you wanna put a 40-story condo down at the corner, I can't even imagine the hoops that you must you guys must have to jump through to get permission and then to actually make it happen. That's that's remarkable. It really is. Yeah, I, I
0: have to hand Uh I have the best staff in the province, well, in my humble opinion, probably in the country. They do an amazing job well, um, getting through those uh, getting through that process because it's hmm. forever changing and what's good in one municipality is not necessarily you know govern you in the next municipality and you have a lot of things to contend with but that's a, that's our chosen profession and uh we do enjoy it there becomes a self uh there becomes a, a feeling of accomplishment when i do finally drive down uh into Phil burlington and hamilton and i saw those green fields now and you know i I say about one of our communities, we completed in Alton village in Burlington. And um, I was really against actually having this uh, bowl where skateboarders and rollerbladers could go in and I'm thinking, oh, this is never going to get used. What a waste of acreage. I'm thinking in the back of my mind, it's part of a community uh, park. And I'm thinking, okay, well, it's never going to get used. And they wanted to put it on a prominent corner. Guess what? That is the most used and vibrant corner. And I was completely <laughs> wrong and I'm glad I am because it refreshes me to say, my, I don't know everything. I'm glad they didn't listen to me put this because well, it's such a refreshing change because it's a gathering place, not only for the skateboarders and, and uh, the rollerbladers <laughs> and everything, but for the families to watch them and you know, with the park beside it, with the splash pad. So yeah, I I get that self-satisfaction and enjoyment that we've made a little bit of difference at at least where people live and socialize. And you see smiles on their faces and that kind of makes it all worthwhile.
1: Well, that seems to be a big change. It's more of a holistic approach where you're looking at places for people to play, where there's a park or a skateboard park. Although you wouldn't get me on a skateboard. Are you kidding me? At my age, that's not (laughs) going to happen. That time has passed for all of us. But i just want to circle back a little bit for anybody who's had had to deal with city hall let's say someone uh, a homeowner wants to put a basement apartment in their in their house and having to deal with city hall and whatever municipality uh i have some limited experience with that and it can be the don't ever underestimate the amount of time and hassle and grief that goes into that getting that done getting the inspections done to to do something like that and i can't even imagine going into the city hall and saying well we got this greenfield you know we want to build a subdivision for x number of homes here that i just can't even imagine doing that so my i tip my hat to you i really do you and your team thank you thank you no worries so so i can see from what you're saying that things have kind of turned around and that whole urban lifestyle in downtown toronto and the suburban lifestyle out in the 905 that's kind of it's kind of changed a bit where I can say living in Mississauga, it's a much more urban place than when I first moved here in 1991 from the city. And uh, it just back then, it seemed like it was living in the country. Now, a lot of employment. I believe I heard somewhere that there's more people that drive into Mississauga for employment than drive out of Mississauga on a daily basis for employment. So that's pretty amazing. And Oakville, like I say, is changing so much. I mean, Oakville was the last holdout, I think. But it's, it's really booming and uh, and Burlington, which I am once in a while, my sister used to live in Hamilton and I know it's changed huge and it continues to change. But we we have some real challenges here uh, going on. Um, I'll diverge a little bit here. I mean, I, I wear two hats. I, I am still a practicing realtor. So we're talking about today about this imbalance of supply and demand and we had the interest rates go up and the market cooled off a little bit, although it certainly didn't crash. And now we've got a situation where interest rates people are saying maybe may come down but they might maybe in the summer or starting a little bit nobody really knows for sure but there's a chance they could and i can tell you from dealing with residential clients and buyers right now they're all excited there's a huge buzz that they want to get back in the market and a lot of them want to do it preemptively before the actual rate cuts take place so That's great. From a real estate agent's point of view, that's great. We're gonna get back on the rock and roll train. We're gonna be selling lots of houses and condos residential. Uh, But there's another part of me that, speaking just as a citizen where I worry a bit about the future of our country uh, and just in terms of affordability and where we are headed. Uh, I truly do believe that that underlying imbalance where there's not enough supply is still there. There's too much demand. And not enough supply. And there's been some policy stuff that the government did, again, not to get political. But they let in 1.2 million people last year, which is a lot of immigrants. And I'm a pro-immigration guy. We're all immigrants. My grandparents were immigrants. You know, we're all immigrant. Pretty much everybody's an immigrant. It's a huge country. There's lots of room for everybody. But I think the way this was managed was it wasn't managed. They just opened the door. Nobody in Ottawa bothered to check to see across Canada and are there enough places for these people to live? So that's just kind of poured gasoline on a fire. And I don't blame the immigrants at all because in a way they kind of got set up. A lot of them did. And ta- i I talked to a lot of them all the time. Some of them are moving back. I talked to a guy last, a uh, couple months ago. Uh, they were a nice, lovely couple, highly skilled, came over from India. He says, and IT people, they're making six figure incomes. And he says, Randy, we may move back to New Delhi because I can make almost the same amount of money there than as here, and the cost of living is one quarter what it is here. So now that to me, when I hear that, and I'm not talking as a realtor, but just as a citizen, it makes me worried. And you you have children and I, I have a daughter and uh, you know we can help our kids out, but I sometimes worry about their kids or what the future is gonna hold. How are we gonna fix this huge problem? And it's not just Canada, it's not just the GTA. I mean, Vancouver's worse. And there's a lot of cities where there's just an affordability problem, even if rates come down a bit, which I think they will. But really, are the the little houses, smallest houses in Oakville that you can find for, I don't know, maybe not in in Burlington for 1.2 million, are they going to go to 2.2 million in five years? Are we looking at that? Do we have to look forward to what about our grandkids? Where are they going to live? Or are we setting them up to be an entire generation of renters? And even rental supply is not good enough. So what do you think about that? I, I still believe, yes, okay, the rise in interest rates slowed the market down, unquestionably, but the demand is still there. It really is. And we're going to see an explosion of activity, I believe, if the rates come down. So how do we address that? Because houses don't get built overnight, and especially a high-rise condo. It can take five years. So how do we address that? What do we do? A lot of people move to Alberta because they, you know, house prices were cheap, it's the main reason. Let's move to Calgary. House prices are cheap and now. Their prices are going up. How do we address this? Doug Ford said it, and Orrea said it. We need at least a million more houses in southern Ontario to meet the demand. How do we do it? We don't have a chance. <laughs> I, I'm men. a realist.
0: <laughs> right. I'm a realist. You can talk all you want to. You know, yeah. we're grassroots. We're boots on the ground here. Yeah. You know, I, I could can tell you. I can tell you within five lots of what's going to be in Oakville in the next five years, and Burlington and Hamilton as well. Yeah. Um, from lots, and I can tell you from the high, and from the you know high rise standpoint. Um, it's not going to happen. You're not going to get. You're never going to catch up. Because you're because there's too much political red tape in every step of the way. Even though this current government has been trying, um, you still it's hard when you know the boss comes in and says, "Oh, Miss has got to do what normally you take a year and a half to do in sixty days." Yep. Which I'm not saying a year and a half is what they needed to take. I'm, that's just what they got used to because there was right. nobody um above them saying well you are you're accountable to do your job you know and they're not all like that but um after every four years there becomes another layer on top and you never get rid of that layer and then four years later there becomes another layer on top and after a while you're just saying trying to peel back all these layers is next to impossible to go forward because you have to cut out that red thing so you know what, the honest answer is interest rates affected us from the supply. Everything is pretty much shut down. There's no condos being sold. So in six months, no condos are going to be going up. They're going to finish off what they've sold over the last five years, four years, maybe three. Nothing really much is materialized after two years. Takes you about three to five years to build if it's not too big, minimum minimum. So those people beginning then the trades will have not as much room. So you think that'll bring down the price? No way. Marginal well, at best. Maybe
1: maybe a little,
0: yeah. Marginal at best. So what happens then? We're going to have less supply, more demand. So the federal government has now, this is a this is a question that we've been you know, in our office, especially us, this is the only asset class we don't own, which is multi-residential uh, rentals. Right. right. So, but it never made any sense to do that. But right now, with the feds coming up and the province coming up and eliminating the HST, the G A GST, that's a savings. So okay. that's a start. CMHC is has made you know, a nice push into making things a little less than market rate from an affordability standpoint. So that's another one, which we never had before. Mm -hmm. And what we're hoping is that the rates, uh, that the trades come down a little bit. And then we're looking for incentives from the region and we're looking for incentives from the municipalities as well. The two top layers of government have given incentives we really haven't gotten any useful incentives from municipalities and regions, and we're in conversations with them now. Having all four levels of government until you're all on the same page, not fighting each other, and all going for the same, uh, going in the same direction. Um, it's you know you're not going to get the supply. And then we still have to combat market rates. We still have to combat the bigger picture immigration because they're still going to be coming. If it's not 1.2 million people, it will be 800. It will be a million for, I don't know. You know, we have no control. They're going to have to live. And so I believe that it's not going to be like you and I grew up and most of the people we knew that you work, you go to work, and you save and save for that down payment, Buy yeah. Maybe an entry level home, a townhome, or a semi or something. And in yeah. a few years, you graduate to your first detach, et cetera, et cetera. No longer going to yeah. be that. It's, it's going to be where can I afford to live? The, I don't mean kids today, the generations over the last couple of decades are now probably about it smarter than we do. You know, they're kind of saying, you know what? Why should I buy a house? Right. I'd rather take <laughs> four vacations a year, right? And still go to Starbucks every day and buy a six dollar cup of coffee. Whereas we would probably not have thought that way. We would penny. Pinch, we would right? that's, that's right. Correct. And our dream, the majority of our dreams, was home ownership. That's a Canadian thing. And we are a melting pot in this country, right. and things have changed right and we're getting immigration from all over the world and the majority of the world in their countries they don't own they're used to renting when they're coming here they're not looking for home ownership they they would take it at times some people would of course if they Mm -hmm. could afford it but majority of them are used to renting so this is what they're expecting so we have to provide that on top of our generation as well as they're saying you know what like i said before i'd rather go on more vacations i'd rather buy you know i'd rather buy a, a nicer bike i'd rather buy a nice they don't use cars like we used
1: to <laughs> that's
0: you true know? too <laughs> so they have a little more disposable for their own interests they're good for them yeah right it's not their dream to have own, own home ownership, but then there always will be that core that want that home ownership as well. And what's going to happen? I think you said it. Prices are going to go up because we're simply driven by economics. Supply, demand. Take a look at Manhattan, right? A- absolutely. People are going to pay to live there. And it becomes a worldwide destination, not just a local destination. I think what you're saying is, how can our children afford to live there? Well, maybe they're not, but you're opening up immigration right. and there's enough people in the world. The world's a big spot. We normally just kind of shelter ourselves, but then when you're opening the immigration, it opens your eyes going, there is the cream of the crop there that'll We'll pay that $2, $2 million home in Burlington. That was $1.2 million, you know, five years ago because yep. they can and the rest will rent. So we looked at this very hard and now we have repositioned and we're opening up a new division where we are going to build uh, purpose-built rental buildings in the, the GTHA. And we're good for gonna you. start off with our first project in Oakville, actually on a site that we had bought for a traditional condo building and mm-hmm. we're now in the throes of repositioning that into a rental
1: and well
0: we're gonna give we're gonna give it a go
1: That's a constant stream of income for the next 50 years you know that it possibly so good for you congratulations that's great. That is. So things are changing. I just when you were talking just now, it uh, it just dawned on me that I'm looking at this in a lens of both my age, my generation and the fact that I'm in the real estate industry. And perhaps that is a that's part of that focus that I get. Oh, people will want to buy, but maybe not necessarily. Maybe they're like you say, you go to Paris, nobody owns anything. They just rent. I guess the problems we have here in the GTA are really problems of success really at the end of the day, and Vancouver. Uh, the US is a different animal, I think. New York is the world's, I would say is the world's alpha city. That's the way I look at it, it's special. It's like up there somehow on a pedestal. But there's other places like uh, I was in, uh, we went to San Francisco a few years ago. Me being a realtor, I was snooping around just looking at some house prices. Oh my goodness, they, they, they make us look cheap by comparison. I couldn't believe it, the prices. Seems like wherever there's a tech industry, uh, that seems to really inflate prices. So I guess it's a problem of success. We could be on the other side of the lake where you can buy a decent house for 150000 But then you're on the other side of the lake. You know, and maybe, maybe you don't want to live in that place. I don't know. So it's interesting. Stuff, well, the, I, the proof is in the population, i say. I think you're right. 100%. 100%, John. And we're
0: global. Toronto is global. And our it suburbs... Is. Yeah. Are are almost turning into you know just obviously Toronto expanding a little bigger and bigger and bigger and yeah. not what we are used to or what we grew up with so we have to look at it that way yeah so right. we have to look at things more globally and why is immigration coming here and not in Buffalo we'll say well you know we have a stronger we're multicultural yes for one thing welcoming we're multicultural. We have a strong banking system. We have medical, a country medical system or provincial medical system. And we have a great education system. If I have children and I want to, as a parent, bring them to the safest, and we're safe. There's another thing from the worldwide spectrum. We're a safe country. I miss that. So if I have children and I'm growing and, you know, they're toddlers or, young teenagers, what do I want to do as a parent? I want to put them in that type of environment where I can check those five boxes that we spoke of. Because you just want to better your children. That's all you want to do. Give them every opportunity that you possibly can. And if you have that opportunity, where are you choosing to move to? We have everything but the weather.
1: <laughs> and this year it hasn't been too bad, but you're, you're it's right. Been great, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I think you're right that uh, they definitely don't move here for the the weather. But I'm working with uh, a couple uh, just right now in Oakville uh, who've come up here from New Jersey, uh, and they um, they're originally from another country, but they they lived in New Jersey for a while and they want to come to Canada. They got their immigration, and it's because of their two kids. They have two kids. They want them to grow up here, not in the U.S. Right. Nothing against the good people of the USA. No, not at all. It's a different place altogether. So that's so interesting, John, to get your perspective on that. And it's interesting to see that, uh, I mean, we all kind of feel that there's lots of change taking place, definitely. COVID changed so much. Oh, let's digress just for a couple of minutes about the office market, because you hear a lot of talk right now, and I'm not a commercial agent, I'm not an expert on commercial real estate but there's a lot of doom and gloom, people talking about the office market. Uh, I happen to believe that that is going to go away and that the office market will come back. And again, I'm not an expert. It's just sort of an observer. I believe that uh, people working from home is great. Now they seem to have come to to the point where they got to go into the office two or three days a week, which is better. But I believe that uh, any company wants to instill sort of a, 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 a corporate set of values on its employees, right? You cannot have a corporate culture where, where you're, you're you know breeding loyalty, you're breeding a, cer- a certain sense of value values. If people are just working from home, if they're working from home, they're just a hired gun. They're just a hired hand. And I think that eventually corporations are gonna understand that they wanna have their people in a central location where they can grow that culture and keep an eye on their employees. I think that's going to come back, and I'm going to make a wild prediction here, which nobody better hold me to. I think the office market is going to come roaring back in about in Toronto in about five years. That's what I think. I have nothing to base it on other than those kind of thoughts, but no, no data. There's no data points at all. But you talk to some of these commercial guys. It's all oh, it's doom and gloom. You know, the the office market's dead. I think it's going to turn around. I really do. What do you think of that? Or am I just crazy? It could be.
0: No, we're in the office market, and we do have our ear, you know, to the to the market. I'm going to give you my personal opinion. Um, okay. Basically, you're not going to change things around, and I'll tell you why, to the extent that it was before. Okay. I believe the AAA office, you know, the corner of Bay, uh, Bay Street, you know, and down yep. you know, on the water and all those great corporate centers, they're still going to thrive because they're larger conglomerates that are going to own four or five floors or half the building, and you know it's not going to it's not going to move the needle for the TD Bank, for instance, whether they have seven floors or five are only being used, right? Okay. That doesn't move the needle for them. So that's usually who is out there, but also from our bankers, for instance, during COVID. Um, he made a very interesting you know he was a hierarchy of vice president at uh, one of the top banks and i said uh, how are things going he goes this is fine just can't find staff and i'm going
1: quality staff
0: right and i'm going oh okay and i'm going you know i'm old school as well and i said well i said don't people want to go back to work I go back to an office get up feel good about themselves you know right. put on a, right. a jacket or something and get their cup of coffee take their drive he goes yes but they don't want to do it every day anymore because they see the benefits of being at home on friday on monday and i'm going well, i just put the hammer down right you're the right. big heavyweight so you got to come to right. work monday to friday he goes it's a- That's not gonna happen. I said, why not? He goes, nobody will apply for the job. We'll have no applications because other people will give you that opportunity. And again, it goes back to, you know, something in a different field like we talked about before. Today's society, they would rather, right? Not buy a home and take that extra vacation. In this example, they would rather take less money, have the availability to not go in on a Friday and a Monday and work from home than to get an extra $10,000 a year or 5000 or whatever that extra figure
1: is and to have that flexibility or not go to
0: an office at all.
1: Okay, so that's, that's interesting. That is interesting. I thought so it was myself. I'm wrong. Okay, so I'll. I'll admit, well, nobody's but, right or wrong. It well, was just a different viewpoint from yeah. No, from a larger worked, company. It's it's interesting you say that because I uh, I have a family member who works for a big big company downtown and they've kept her on past the age of sixty five. Uh, be my sister. It's my sister, and uh, I didn't think they would do that, but their words to her were they can't find enough qualified people to do this job which I I was shocked. I I couldn't believe it. But anyways, good for her. She's happy working away and uh but so I guess that does exist, you know that there is a, sh- a labor shortage. Okay, so there's a labor shortage, there's a housing shortage. What what is going on? Interesting questions. But I salute you, my Hi. friend. I do for what you're doing out in Oakville and Burlington and Hamilton and Mississauga uh with this whole concept of of sort of uh, sustainable cities smart cities, 15-minute cities, whatever you want to call them, where people can, their their teenager can go out skateboarding on, on the corner and uh, they can work in the city and they can live in the city, shop in the city. That's got to be the future. It's got to be the future, I think. It, it's
0: now. It's not even the future. It's now. <laughs> we're behind. <Yeah. laughs> we're, we're actually behind. Okay. So we have a community we're doing and we're repositioning right now where we have um, uh, 400 acres in the uh, old town of Waterdown, which is now classified oh, yeah. as Hamilton, where we've made a suburban 400 acres into an urban, and we've done it kind of backwards. So we originally bought that that land to do a power center. You know, remember 15, 20 year ago, traditional yeah. power center. You put the WalMarts and the Zellers and the Ronas and the Home Depots up and and so they get absorbed in these large parking fields. Well, it took so long and it ended up that, you know, e-commerce started to come in in you know, starting to make waves. So there was, we had additional surplus of lands. We filled up 700,000 square feet of Walmarts, the rotas, yeah. the banks and, and all of that. But slowly, um, you know, the salaries left, of the world, right? Targets came in, they left, the Sears left. Home Depot isn't expanding in this country. Lowe's left, right? So it became, you know, it became rescinding. So we're sitting there with that additional acreage that we had planned because it took us 10 years to get through the planning process and the market had shrunk. But the planning process says, okay, fine, go ahead. Well, there weren't the tenants for it. Now, what we thought, we tried a few other things, nothing was working. So we thought, okay, what's now what's happening nowadays around shopping centers? Housing. Right. So then it's now taken us about six years, maybe seven, time goes quickly, to reposition that into housing. attainable housing volume housing low mid-rise high-rise housing what else what else would go in a parking lot of a power center when you think about it intersected by two major highways so that's what we've done and we just finally after six seven years of painstakingly negotiating and going through the process and having COVID for two and a half years where nobody was in city hall, or I don't think they're all, I don't think they're back anyways. Um, no accountability in my humble opinion. Um, trying to get somebody to listen, trying to move the file from one desk to the other. You know, that threw us behind the eight ball. But lo and behold, this past ball, we were now approved to build our little city of 4,000 plus units.
1: That's amazing. And
0: we're positioning that right in the middle of our power center. We also had an additional hundred and some odd acres to build a business park that we brought employment over the last 4 years, 5 okay. years there. Okay. Which is increased the hub. And then now what do you want in a smart city or what do you want in a, what do you want in a complete city? Well, you want to live, work, shop and play. So what do we have? We have now 700,000 square feet of retail and service uses. Perfect. 3,000 jobs we brought in with a million square feet of employment. In Waterdown. In in Waterdown. Waterdow. Wow. Yes, in Waterdow and we brought in the infrastructure for the roads and the bridges and the hydros and the stormwater management ponds and we built the trail system and the park system all in advance now that's all in and established we then went out and got seven doctors mds where they're all leaving my staff did an amazing job of grabbing these seven doctors and putting them under one roof. So in three months, they're going to be opening up their practice in our community of seven GPs. And isn't that wonderful? You never hear that. You hear, no, I do not find a doctor. I'm bringing seven new ones here.
1: It's been a while since I'm going to have to go out to Waterdown. It's been a while since I've been out there. It's a lovely place for any of you listeners who haven't been there wonderful place up on kind of on the mountain there and right on um, the top
0: it the is
1: that's right and uh, so that i'm gonna have to go out there and check it out i know there's been a lot of changes there for sure it used to be 20 years ago it was just a little town there was, there was nothing there really so it's it's, uh,
0: it's it still has a little town mentality, but we're a little situated, you know, yeah. with the four oh three, the highway six, the highway five, the four oh one to the north. So uh, it's, it's a wonderful location. You know, you're 10 minutes from you know, the mountain in Hamilton, Yep. Yeah. and downtown, and five minutes to Burlington and 45 you know, yeah. yeah. minutes to Mrs. downtown Mississauga. So everything's getting shifted out as you put it, right? Mississauga used to be the suburbs, no longer the suburbs anymore.
1: That's right, that's right. Well, John, you've opened my eyes here. I didn't realize that you guys are basically building cities. Like you're basically, again, it's a holistic thing. Everything down to doctor's offices, which is things that people take for granted, but it, it needs to be done. It needs to be, somebody has to think of it in the first place. And I also am impressed by the way you guys are on your toes because when the market changes, you know, you gotta you gotta make changes, and to right. address the new needs of the market, and uh, so that's so interesting. It really is. I'm impressed. Eight, ten years, eight,
0: ten years ago, never, never thought about building a mid-rise. I would have never thought about oh, two years ago, or one year ago. I could honestly say, never thought about building a you know purpose-built rental building, residential. Never but you have to stay nimble. You have to stay current in the market. Um, I think to exist and progress and well, it does a square peg, doesn't always work in a round hole. So
1: you have to figure out, you know, what's working today. Well, that's so good, man. It's so nice to talk to you. It really was a pleasure. You know, um, and uh, we should do this again anytime, anytime. Uh, if you don't mind me rambling on half the time, but it's interesting interesting to hear what you guys are up to. It's very impressive. And we just scratched oh, the you. surface. I, I know, we just scratched the surface. There's a lot of other stuff that you're, that you're involved with. But thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was a real pleasure to talk to you.
0: Oh, my pleasure. If I can help in any way, please don't hesitate. Ah, uh, be
1: careful what you promise. Be careful what you promise. <laughs> uh, Randy, is was a pleasure. Okay. Nice to meet you, sir. And we'll talk again soon. Take care. Bye. bye Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode, of the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast. Follow us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts,
1: Spotify, and Stitcher. And check out our main website at randyselzer.com for much more valuable info on the Canadian real estate scene.